Hi and welcome to another episode of One and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. afternoon. How is everybody? Good afternoon. Good it is afternoon, isn't it? What day of the week is it? <laughs> Always Thursday. Always Thursday, baby. Always right. thirsty. Always thirsty. Thirsty Thursday. <laughs> I was pretty thirsty yesterday too, actually, but it doesn't rhyme with Wednesday. So. <laughs> <laughs> Where you whistle Wednesday. Oh, there you go. I didn't do it for no reason. <laughs> All right, we, we continue with Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos. I don't know about you guys, but it's causing me some chaos trying to get through it. <laughs> Chapter four this week, um, yeah. compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. What do we reckon? Oh, well, he's right, but, you know, it's... Try to understand what he's been writing. That that's something I'm I'm leaving it to uh, Chris, man. <laughs> Chris just went very quiet. <laughs> I did. So obviously the overall theme is something that we've spoken about before and is is pretty easy to understand. With everything that's going on in the world today and social media, especially, too many people are comparing themselves to others and then feeling bad about their own lives because they're not living up to the perceived life of other people. It's not the life they're actually living. It's what they perceive their life to be. So that in itself is pretty easy to understand. But the um, the 46 pages that he delved into it with and Bibles and gods and all different sort of stuff took it uh, down a few uh, too many layers for me. I mean, um, yeah, Megs? I, um... For anything, so... I found it a hard chapter to read. Um, I enjoyed it. I, f- I felt like there was so many like one-liners and like just so many pieces of just like advice in it that it was just so like overwhelming to kind of take in. It almost reminded me a little bit of Wayne Bennett's book, how it, it was just one-liner after one-liner after one-liner and um, yeah, it was it was an interesting read because there was there was lots of stuff in it that I that I took away from it. But <laughs> we're all using very general terms without going into specifics. I love I love the term interesting. Really I usually say, I usually use that term that I wrote down, like my first notes that I wrote down, and I'm like, I can't even understand what I've written, like why I wrote it. <laughs> I read it in two I read it in two sections, and after. I re- Today, after I finished the second half of it, I went back to go back over the first section and look at what I'd highlighted. I'm like, why did I highlight that? Yeah. Well, what does that mean? Okay. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning, right? So, so- Thomas, put some intelligence into the conversation, will you? No wrong. <laughs> let, let me reread the title of the room. <laughs> hey, uh, I did I'll- my bit. I, I think let, let's start from the beginning. The beginning, what he's saying is, no one is, I mean, everyone is unique. So there's nobody else in equal uh, ability or uh, outcome or even uh, close to being a perfect picture of you. So if it is true, then it doesn't make sense to compare. I mean, you can compare 
two Ferraris or two BMW 735 series if you can, but you can't compare a Ferrari and the BMW. It's, it's what he's trying to say. And, but still, what he's also trying to say in the beginning is we all have that internal voice that, that just urges us to make that comparison. And you're absolutely right with social media and with what's happening for the moment. It's actually being magnified. This comparison, this need to compare is being magnified. And, and you have a look at the, the amount of people in companies who only want to work and, and compare everyone, not, not against each other, each person's performance, but against each other. So even in the way the companies and the way the society is working for the moment, we, there is nothing that really trains an individual to dig for what's best in him. Instead, are you better than the guy who works next to you? Yeah. I, think, I think we've all said it before about social media. We, we neglect to remember what we're seeing on social media is the highlight reel. We don't see what's on the cutting room floor of people's lives. They don't show you the shit that's on, on, on social media. They only show you the good. And that's what a lot of people are comparing themselves to and say, oh, my life's not that good and I don't drive that car and so forth. It's it's terrible. Look at yourself. And we're reading a similar book that's got a similar chapter. Just be a little bit better today than you were yesterday. Just do something a little bit better today than you did yesterday. Maybe, you know, get, actually get on the treadmill for a change and, and take a 10-minute walk. And maybe 15 minutes tomorrow and so forth. It doesn't have to be a huge change, but compare yourself to yourself. Um, the first thing, the other thing I think I liked was we need to understand, we need to work on our strengths and understand we're all different. And as you said it before, we've got, you know, staff members and each one of them have, are going to have their strengths and their weaknesses regardless. And we have to recognise that and sort of help them to see it in, their, in themselves to improve. It talked about um, in the bit that Thomas was just talking about, it's, it talked about like being self-conscious and it said, um, you know, that there was so many different ways that basically that we judge ourselves and judge others and stuff like that. And then it said, um, how then can the voice of critical self-consciousness be stilled? And that line got me because I thought it's so true. Like people's minds are just always, and with social media, the way that the, that social media is actually built is like a poker machine. So it's to constantly um, like, like stimulate people's minds and look for that win and look for more and, you know, trying to basically get them to spend more time on that site. And I thought, what a line, because your head, like people's heads are so busy and they've got so much coming into them, but how are they filtering that information? What are they doing with it? And then, what's the thought process for people to realize what part of it, like to actually stop and think about what's improving them, what should be better for them, not, well, what have they got that I haven't? Like it should, it's, it's up to people's then, you know, inner ability to be able to control that, not external sources like social media and other things. I think we're getting further away from the ability to do that with the more social media, whether it's, uh, you know, it's, there's so many different avenues, whether it's, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be. There's so many different avenues and it's in our face all the time um, that I think we're losing that ability to have that internal reflection and understand that next. Mm. And they're all linking. 
every every other app that you've got, like it all links. So we've just done it, started a thing with the team, like a walking thing for cancer and it all links to socials. So everything's just pulling you back there and it's wanting to drag you back there to promote it on socials or, you know, share it on socials or link your login with your social login. Like they're just, it's becoming this massive beast. It already is a massive beast, but it's just growing. All encompassing. Yeah, but what, what worries me, you know, you, you're talking about uh, you, you need to have that consciousness, but it, it's crazy the amount of people and the amount of business and big business that is that does not really try and, and look for that road where you can promote the best in people. They, they all seem to flock and follow, you know, they all seem to go, all right, well, this is what social media wants us to do. This, this is where we should be going. And no wonder you go into that, uh, what is it, never-ending wheel. And it will keep on spinning bigger and bigger because social media, let's put it this way, we, we spoke about it in one of our podcasts quite a while ago, where since the uh, rise of social media, we've never had that much uh, in terms of uh, uh, suicide, you know, with teenagers. It's actually doubled in the last uh, 10 years. And, and, and the, that's a crazy bit. And all of that, why? Because they're all comparing themselves w between BMWs and Ferraris. Mm. Yeah. More than just a rise, it's actually something like 10 or 15 fold, the, especially yeah, teenage right. girls, a suicide since Facebook started. They can track the years and track the data and um, it's crazy. He talks, I like that he brings it back to... Um, puts a bit of an accountability on it that it's a you problem not a not a they problem if you're not feeling adequate then that's that's on you it's not on the world being a a shit place to be in it's about how you feel about the world and then he, he tries to give in a very very convoluted roundabout way some actions to take to try and overcome that which is first working out what you want and, and trying to understand whether you really want what those other people have or um, is it something else that you're searching for? I like... Um... No, I, I think that you need to be searching who you are first, Cameron. Yeah. Not yeah. what you want. I think it's who you are. A, lo a lot of us don't even take that kind of snapshot of who they are. He, he starts it works backwards, doesn't he? He starts at what you want and then brings it all the way back to starting with find out who you are. Um, and that's, that's sort of got to be analysed each day, which is comparing yourself to yesterday. And I feel for the kids because sometimes I sit down and I realize I, myself, you know, only came to the realization of who I am not so long ago. So, uh, so I like to tell my kids that I'm very, um, very, very late blossomer. Uh, but you, you can't have been happy with what you found. Sorry? You can't have been happy with what you found. No, that's why I don't look at you all that time, you know. <laughs> but the, the best thing to do is, is to really take that time and reflect. I like the line when he says, before you can articulate your own standards of value, you must see yourself as a stranger. Then you must get to know yourself. It's funny, why? because quite often when we meet a stranger, we seem to know everything about the stranger. We only have to have spend about two minutes with someone we've never met and somehow we can just tell the world everything about them. So what if we just turn that around and having a look at us as if we were the stranger? I, I, I love that line. Um, 
Yeah. Sorry, I've just lost my thoughts. That's a common occurrence. I think, I think we... I think we often look at it very superficially as well, and we don't stop. And, and like you're trying to get at, Thomas, we don't look at, at, at a lot deeper than than just the job, the car, the holiday. You know, two you know, wife and two kids, two wives and a kid, two kids, <laughs> two kids and a wife. Um, two country, country. Um, <laughs> when in um, lockdown. <laughs> so. For myself personally, over the last you know three four months, it's been you know just just sitting back and analysing when I get upset about something or when I something when a hidden players get triggered, why am I feeling that way? What's triggered it? So next time it happens, I go, hang on a second, okay, I'm I'm doing that because of of this. It doesn't take a lot of time. We're, I don't think we are that complex of a human being. If you've got any sort of intelligence, I don't think we're really that complex. I think it just needs a little bit of education to stop really think about what's happened and you go, yep, yeah, okay. And the next time it comes up, you, you, you're you fairly well warned. You've, you've got that um, scar tissue all there ready there to say, okay, hang on, we know why this is going to happen. We can, don't have to react like But right. sometimes it's difficult also to think because we all live in that illusion that whatever we think is reality. So if I think that I'm this much of myself, that's reality. Other people not being this way, suddenly they don't see reality. It's, it's an amazing thing. And then we, we never get to understand that it is us who living the illusion. Absolutely. Perception, Absolutely. perception is reality. He talks, but Chris. He actually says in there about how complex we are. Sorry to contradict what you were just saying, but he he sort of tries to take the pressure off people being able to find out who they are straight away. He talks about, you know, you might think you know who you are, but you don't really because of how complex we are as humans. He has a, a line a bit later in the chapter about how complex we are, but we can't set the timer on the microwave. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is, look, perception is reality. So wh whatever you think you see, that is your reality. And every one of us here has a different reality based on what we see. But we also can't, it isn't that simple to work out who you are because there's so many internal and external factors forming your views um, that it, it really does take a lot of discipline and courage. It talks about courage and the, how easy it is to stay in pain and to never want to know who you are but in case you find out something you don't like or something that's hard work yeah i like the the theory he has about when you think you know what you want it, it blinds you to every other opportunity in the world and how some people never get where they really want to be one because they don't really know what they want but two because they're folk they're aiming at the wrong thing everything else is blocked out and other opportunities don't present themselves and i think that's the problem with a lot of people locked in a nine to five job or who may work the same career i know it doesn't happen much now but people working the same job for 30 years and um, thinking there's nothing else to do. That's because they're blinded by the, the perceived lack of opportunities elsewhere. He talked about um, success and failure and he, it, he stayed on it for a little while, but I think for me, it brought it back to the fact of how like impatient we are and how we're seeking things so much quicker than what previous generations have because of the technology that we've got available and things like that. But um it went on to say that you you might be winning but you're not necessarily growing he said um should victory in the present always take precedence over tra trajectory across time and i think that's becoming so much more 
um, relevant these days because we are so impatient. We're seeking these quick wins and these quick results. And if we're not, if we're not getting them, we're judging ourselves that we've failed or people are judging themselves that they've failed because they're not feeling that those minute wins along the way. Um, they're not looking for that long game, maybe because they are scared of what it presents or what it doesn't present. But um, I had a question here and it was just basically success versus failure. Can this be something that is judged on externally or is it something that only we can judge whether something that we've done is a success or a failure? I think in the truest sense, only you know whether you've won. No, but it, it, it's it's very good thing because it's the society would like to put us all in the pack and society would love to mesmerize us with the fact that if we try to give our best there are rewards that are external and and because all of us have been ingrained into this 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 is uh, something that is going to compound you have a look all of us have got children here none of us in here are telling our kids don't worry if you end up uh, nothing all right the don't worry if you end up just wanting to sit out there and write poetry all of us i tell our kids do this you need you, you need to win in, in in the world when you go in the classroom try to be with the best in the class try to only pick friends that are i mean we we talk to them in this kind of respect so we already giving them the programs and, and, and we already telling our kids from when they born, this is how you need to really be mesmerized by the illusions of what's out there. Mm. No wonder they, they, they may be a BMW, they may be actually a Volkswagen Combi, and we try to get them to get the speed of Ferraris because Ferraris comes first, because Ferrari gets the reward, because Ferrari is what the world claps, so fame, success, respect, those are the things that we need to run after. I think deep down, though, a fraud knows they're a fraud, or if you get a win that you know you didn't truly earn, you never really feel good about it. So in answer to your question, Meg, I think deep down internally, success and failure is governed by how you feel after a certain event, regardless of what people are telling you. People tell me I do a good job and I know I haven't. There's no... Winning, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I probably disagree with you, mate. Yeah, try and ask Lance Armstrong that question. And I'm yeah, not sure he's going to tell you the same thing. Ask him if he felt like he really won. Mate, he what can you? tell you that he's actually won. It, uh, you, you ask guys like him, narcissistic like uh, Donald Trump, whether he's lost the, the thing. Mate, he hasn't lost. No, I'm, he's talking about, from it. I'm talking so, about your average human, not your psychopaths, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the reason, like, however, however, what's Sorry, mate. I, I like the bit where he talked a little bit about resentment because that, that has been something that's been around with me for a while. And so when he wrote, consult your resentment, it's a revelatory emotion for all its pathology because it's part of an evil triad, arrogance, deceit, and resentment. Do you know? And, and I thought, hold on. No. Is, is there anything right? And, 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 and to say... So he's he's driving me to one direction, and just like uh, Meg was saying, suddenly in the next line he's sending you a totally different direction, and you're going, where 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 is he going with this? You know? I felt like the ball in the pinball machine, like <laughs> like that's how I felt. In my head, I was just like, oh my god, like there's so much gold in there, but 
far out. It's like tiring to read. What about the Old and the New Testament, people? Uh, fuck, I turned me. I turned off. <laughs> the old God. Thomas Eddie said, it says, so you start with to wish your enemies well, at least in principle, although you may not means yet master such sentiment. And for me, that was a good thing to say, you know, that resentment that you hold, at least wish them well to start learning that process because we have to, if we haven't done it before, we need to start somewhere. We need to start that process to start learning how to actually have attached sentiment to it. He takes the whole thing back in the end to the very stoic philosophy of being good. Yeah. And it all starts there. And when you be good and you wish the best for other people, even if they are your enemies, the more people you can actually wish the best for um, and to help succeed, even if you don't really like them, then um, the better off everyone will be. And that creates a world where everyone can be happy with where they're at. It's everyone's interpretation of good, though, because even the people that do bad still convince themselves that they're doing good. Yeah, no, it's always a, it's always, that's the fight between good and evil. Use your forces for good, not evil. But mm. um, I think just back to the resentment thing for a while, he talks in there, which obviously resonated with me, about how should or shouldn't we speak up when we're not happy with something that's going on or when we've got something to say. Um, obviously that's what we do on here. We try and speak up, but so many people don't, um, either a resentful person is immature, in which case he or she should shut up, quit whining and get on with it. Or there's tyranny afoot, in which case the person subjugated has the moral obligation to speak up. Why? Because the consequence of remaining silent is worse. Of course, it's easier in the moment to stay silent and avoid conflict, but in the long term, that's deadly. When you have something to say, silence is a lie and tyranny feeds on lies. And I think that's pretty relevant to what we're all going through now with these lockdowns and um, the inability of enough people to speak up to change what's going on. I, I like uh, to change it because we, we're going to come to that very soon in our Facebook live. But I, I like the line where he says, life doesn't have a problem, you do. Yeah. And, and he says, if your that's life... Right. If your life is not going well, perhaps it is your current knowledge that is insufficient, not life itself. Love it. I love it. But again, as I said, you know, I out, out of like 16, 16 lines, that's the line I love. I mean, the other, yeah. six, the other 15 lines I'm lost. That's where he talks. Yeah. <laughs> Probably next reading. <laughs> you have to write it again. He talks just before it about too many of us give, just put it down. Put our sh if we're not happy with where we are, so we put it down to life shit and then you die, or life's a bitch and then you die, or whatever one of those lines you want to use. So the bit the bit before that, what Thomas read is before your crisis impels you to that hideous conclusion, maybe consider the fact that it might be a you problem, which is um yeah. We were talking yesterday, TL. Some people it'll never, ever, ever be a you problem. Ever, ever. It's just always there's always, always the blame game. And yeah. he talks in there about you actually have to want your life to be better, not just say, I wish I had a better life, because you can verbalize that and say, I want this and I want big things. And I, but deep down, if you actually don't want better for yourself, if it's actually too hard to change, the pain of change is harder than the pain of staying the same, then people will and they'll keep repeating the same cycle and you, you, you can't help everyone. Oh, oh shit, I accidentally opened up on that page. This will only work, however, if you genuinely want your life to improve. Yes, beautiful, eh? You can't fool your implicit perceptual structures, not even a bit. 
they aim you wherever you point them to retool, to take stock, to aim somewhere better. You have to think it through bottom to top. Um, yeah. And then it says, because making life better means adopting a lot of responsibility and that takes more effort and care than living stupidly in pain and remaining arrogant, deceitful and resentful. So there are those people who no matter how often they tell you they want to change or they're going to change, it's just too easy for them to stay in the shit fight that they're in. So come on guys, someone has to be able to help him. There's a four of us here. What's this analogy between New Testament and Old Testament? What is this? Oh, no. <laughs> I asked a question. You three did to answer that. Uh, I'm tapping out because at first he says people didn't like the Old Testament God, but then I'm, I'm like Jesus Christ. Here we go. The Old Testament, the Old Testament God was the Old Testament God was fury and might and wrath, and he's going to come over and wipe out the infidels and all this bullshit. And the New Testament God was loving and kind and giving and you know and whatever, whatever. But then three Three pages Sorry. later, he says, who can blame the Old Testament God? Do we blame an, a hungry lion when it's wreaking havoc? I'm going, what are you talking about, man? What, what, we're not, we're not living in the jungle where hungry lions are stealing our children. <laughs> so he says we should fear the Old Testament God and prefer the New Testament God, but then says we all fall back to believing in the Old Testament God because that's the only way life can continue Discipline and fear of consequences. And no, he's talking about our behavior. He's talking about our behavior. Yeah. That sometimes, like some people, don't like what their bosses have, and they get angry, they get envious, they they do all the they and they get down to, to a lot of silly acts, uh, and they do silly things. Uh, and that's the difference between yin and yang. I'd, I'd say that's the new and old testament. You know. Let me, let me ask you this. So the whole chapter is about not comparing yourself, but I believe there is a time where comparison is required if you're actually trying to get somewhere. Where, when might that be? Get, get, get where somewhere? Well, we say don't compare yourself to anybody else and only compare yourself to yourself, but we then, conversely, we say success leaves clues. So if you're trying to get somewhere, find someone who's already done it, and follow what they've done essentially isn't that a form of comparison is yeah, that but like they're asking you to walk in their footprints not not uh compare yourself to them but compare to where, what they've done to what you've done and you want to get from here to here yeah, yeah. is that comparison follow what they've done not to compare yourself to them but to yeah. follow in their footsteps but you have to compare yourself to them to make an assessment an accurate assessment of where yeah, you're at but what was megan's line earlier that sometimes winning winnings doesn't mean what um there was yeah there was but there was also another line that said um he was talking about games and he said the games that you were playing are so specific to you that comparison to others is simply inappropriate and i think to to answer what you were saying cam i don't necessarily think it's a comparison like let's say there's a salesperson that's just starting out and let's say there's someone that's been in the industry for five years you can't necessarily be like comparing yourself to them and, and say well I want what they've got now you go okay how did they get to what they've got now and what do i have to do now to get there so isn't that yeah, a form of comparison then? maybe it's a comparison maybe it's a, like a, a coach coaching mentoring kind of relationship that you're wanting advice from that person on well what did you do when you started out 
Like, how can I learn from what you did to get there? Yeah, I just don't want people to fall into the trap of never looking at anybody else and being so it doesn't matter what they're doing because in some instances, we talk about the salespeople. Yeah. In some instances, it's important to look at what they've done and follow it, not look at where they are, but look at what they did. And I, I believe that's a form of comparison. Listen, if you are a person running the company, that's what you want to do, which is to repeat that illusion, that comparison to the external world is the only mean to know whether you're advancing or not. If you are someone who is more altruistic and know that when someone works for you, he doesn't just, or he or she is not just there for skill, but also for their, the betterment of their own soul, then you, you have the responsibility not only to uh, help them uh, succeed by that barometer that is out there, but also by the internal barometers. So it's not as easy, you know, success leaves clue. That doesn't mean success as in like, I'm going to be the best. Success, no, success could be, uh, I know more about myself today and how it works, how I work uh, versus who I was about two months ago. That is success. And that success leaves clues because when you know how to do that, you can now sit down with someone who's in need of that and guide them there. And, and so I, I think... We, we're going to have to really uh, take that that way, is that uh, people have to really take a stop at some stage and ask themselves the first question, who am I? What am I made? What makes me tick? What are my weaknesses? Then they can have a look at what is it that they want rather than be mesmerized by what the other guys got and then try and have that. And then if they can't have it, envy is the result jealousy is the result and trying to sabotage them is the uh, consequence of the actions. I, I think that that's where we're going wrong. I think with the comparison thing, Cam, I think there's always going to be some form of comparison in the world, regardless of the way you look at it. There will always be comparison. But I think what, what they, we're trying to get at, what he's trying to get at on this is, yes, have the comparison to maybe wanting to strive or achieve something, but don't compare your results with someone else's results. Just compare how much you did for yourself that day. Um, but it comes down to, I think it's a bit tricky. And it's not an easy answer. What Meg asked before is, how do you know if you've done a good job? Because some people need a pat on the back. But some people just internally, intrinsically know they've done a good job. Um, I think, again, it comes down to our, um, a lot of our upbringing and how sort of we were dealt with as kids that sort of reinforce that that behaviour. But, yeah, you know if you've lied to yourself, Cam, but sometimes you know you've got, done a good job and you don't get the kudos for it. Mm. And, and I think that builds character as well. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to explore whether there was ever a time that comparison is good because we're sitting here saying how bad it is. But I think maybe there's a difference. Like, there's obviously comparison in a positive way, but then there's comparison with jealousy, there's comparison with blame. Like, I think there's a lot that comes into the word comparison that has, like you can have a positive connotation or a negative connotation. You could look at something and compare it and just look at it on face value, but the further you I think the demons and, and how people interpret it. 
I think it depends on whether you're winning or not. So when I compare myself to the wines that you three bring every week, I feel bloody good about myself. And that's Jim, what about the internal but... comparison? Because comparison has to be there because we're doing external and internal comparison. Well, that's what compare... the whole idea is to internally compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That's his whole point. Not there has to be, but there has to be a comparison. To improve, there has to be comparison. Now we, we, all, we, we all have children. Do we compare them? Yeah. Yeah. We compare them? Yeah. So, so, so are you really going to your daughter and say, mate, at this age, really, John was doing way better? No, you're not talking to them, but you have that conversation so, with yourself. No, because I, I don't. I, I, as a parent, I make zero comparison because I go, they're unique. Now, they've been given to me. My role now as a parent is to find all their unique talent. That, that is my role. And sometimes they won't see it. I mean, I really wish, and maybe it's a cop-out, I really wish my parents did that for me. Is that they, they really helped me find my user manual before I turned 18. And, and helped me use these user, uh, this user manual of mine. You know, I, I think that is the, the, the thing that we need to look at. So we would never say to one of our kids, mate, you're stupid. Have a look. Your sister's more intelligent than you. We wouldn't do it. So we may look, we may see some, but we don't use that comparison. We want them to have the, the to reach their best. And I think this is one of the line I like in, in, in the in his last line in that chapter is attend to the day but aim at the highest good. Right? And and if you if you are working in some place and you only know that you're doing good because you're getting some kudos or a pat on the back, I'm sorry. Slavery hasn't ended for you. You are just a prisoner to the external feedback. The world, as long as it gives you feedback, it will keep you enchained. And that's hence you have to take the time to sit down and say, I don't need to leave a world of illusion. So second question I want to ask you, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, both of them probably got zilch to their name. Do you think they compare? They need to compare themselves. Well, if they do, they win because they're the head of what they do. I don't think that they wouldn't need. Do you think that she would go to New York and stand beside Donald Trump and say, "Oh man, you're rich, you got so much money, and I'm a nobody"? No, 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 no. But that's not what fulfills. It depends what. If she's not chasing money. So maybe if she was chasing money, she would. And, and so what you're saying is that, have a look, I'm taking two extremes here. Yeah, I know. That's what... And, and in, in both, and, and in the extreme of poverty, of things that neither of all of us here would want to be in. And yet, that's a person who needs zero comparison, who's chasing the best of herself, the best version of herself, right, in order to fulfill some greater good that's all and, and this is why it, it's it's a tough tough book but i i, I think that man he's going deep in in a lot of stuff he's it's it's a it's almost like you think you understand certain way and then suddenly he throws you a totally different way i i, I think I'm starting to think that maybe we need to smoke something in order to really read this book properly. 
Definitely not. Weed and wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Weed and wisdom. (laughs) I've already got the uh, I've already got the domain name, mate. So don't worry. I was worried what you were going to say then. It's definitely, um, it's not nighttime reading just before you go to bed. A couple of times I've tried to light, read it at night, and I've just gone, what am I doing to myself? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, anyway, let's stop it. We'll catch up. For soon. Bye. Come on, yes. another few to go. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.